first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. I'm Kairos. Um, I'm mostly known for defragging stuff. Uh, I make a lot of maps. I've been doing that for a long time. Probably about close to 10 years now. Uh, so I like to do runs in defrag. Not so well known for those, <laughs> but more for the mapping. I also what do speed running. For the for the layman, for the average Joe out there listening, what is defrag? So defrag is it's a mod for Quake Three that allows trick jumping to be done in multiple ways, such as either racing, like through different maps, or you can do freestyle, or you can play capture the flag and just time how quickly you can capture the flag. But really, it's all about trick jumping. So. I'm not going to say I'm entirely unfamiliar with it because I mean, I've tried it, but it is not my thing because I'm terrible. And when I watch people like you or like crazy owl do what you do or like Draku, even he's not a defrag guy necessarily, but just like that kind of trick jumping speed running shit in general blows my mind. I think the first time I was ever in a, introduced at all to anything remotely close to it was like watching King dime do uh Quake 2 at QuakeCon. Maybe not the first time, because I've probably seen like the Defrag World Cup videos and stuff like that. I would watch that kind of shit at work, and then people would come up and be like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that is a very common reaction. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it is an odd hobby that has turned into somewhat of a, a sport. <laughs> but ha- what's the history of this? Like, how long? I guess since Quake. Oh, Lord, long, man. I mean, you well, mean like four quick live even? Or like. Well, yeah, I mean, t- take me through the whole shebang because. Well, if I had to put a start on where trick jumping started, I mean, I guess. I-, I would put my marker at Quake 1. I mean, you could argue that you could do some of this stuff in like Duke Nukem, right? You know, do like rocket jumps there or whatever, but it's not there quite was, the same. There was the Doom 2 rocket jump mod, but I don't know that that came about until after people started doing it with Quake already, right? Like, Yeah, I believe that was a good while after, because Doom 2 came out in 94, and then Quake 1 came out in 96. So, I mean, I don't think that Rocket Jump mod would have come out by then, but I, I actually haven't played that one myself, unless you mean, like, it's part of Zandronum or something. But, uh, yeah, Quake 1 is... I don't know, I think just having 3D is what really brought trick jumping in, you know? You could argue that you did it elsewhere, but I, I really do think that the, the dawn of 3D is what allowed to do this. Because with the rocket launcher, I mean, it was almost like... I, I know that the id team knew about rocket jumping when they were making the game, but like you find that out on accident yourself. And so, I don't know, one thing leads to another, and then I would, I'd say that's where it started at. But 
in terms of defrag and when that mod came out, I think there may have been, I think there was a mod for Quake where you could actually time things and they did have racing. But I think the only trick jumping element with that was really the speed running. So like, just, just, just like people speed ran in Doom 2, they did that in Quake 1 as well, right? So maybe you could say that trick jumping came out of there. Um, I wasn't around for it, but <laughs> but Defrag, its first version came out in 2001. So it's been out for literally two decades now. Um, it's been kicking for a long time. But that was made because of Capture the Flag and people wanting to know how fast they could capture a flag, right? No one even really had ideas of making maps as far as I know until like uh, freestyle things were made. I think run maps were actually the last to spawn. Would you say that like CPMA kind of changed the game because it's sort of a staple at this point now? It's it's not like a Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yo, absolutely. Yes. If CPMA weren't around, like I I mean, you might have had well, you'd still have things like Half-Life, right? Because that was based off Quake One. But as far as like things like Warsaw Warfork or whatever, where you have air control, I think CPMA yeah. really changed the game for that, unless you think about like Half-Life Deathmatch or Team Fortress Classic. Because those are two places where air control is used like crazy whenever you play the game normally. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because CPMA, like, I don't think CPM physics would have ever been added to Defrag. I mean, they're literally named after it. So, that's true. I guess. I guess that really just kind of sums it up. Is like it's, it's just part of the event now. You know, you watch the thing, and it's like a category. It's sort of like. Uh, you know, in the Olympics, when you watch swimming, it's like you know, there's butterfly and there's what freestyle, and it's just part of it now. With defrag, is like somebody's does does this and it's really good. <laughs> it's cool, absolutely, and that's really one of the cool things about it because you can play in one of those two different physics types. I've yet to see. There's not many games where you can do that. It's it's a bit of a disappointment because like Ch- Quake Champions introduced or not really introduced, but like included all of the kind of known movement styles and introduced sort of new ones, I guess. I mean, Quake 4 had the, the rail grinding thing, but the the real skate physics, I think that there has potential. It could be really cool. It's just not used so much, right? Yeah, like you're talking about using Slash, right? Um, yeah, well, and also Strog. Oh, and Strog does it? I actually haven't played Quake Champions in so long now, man. I didn't know yeah. he could do that as well. That's cool. He didn't originally, and then they decided, like, hey, why do we have just one character who does this? We should, you know. And then Strog was, I'm not saying a weaker character, but just not the most interesting character. I mean, Peeker was always cool, but, like, let's give him a little extra. And then they gave him the, the slide physics, the skate thing, and then it kind of took off. He suddenly became a lot more of a prominent character in the pro scene. Um, well, that's fantastic just, to hear. Yeah. Crouch sliding was actually in Quake 4, I believe. Yeah, it, that's what I was saying. Is like I think that that physic got introduced in Quake Four, but like when you watch, like a you know some of the top level pro matches, it's not like people were doing that all the time, and it, and it's different in duel. But I feel like that movement style has some, maybe some potential for some really cool speed running type shit, or or just trick jumping in general. It's just I mean, know, that's not dude, yeah. an available thing to do in champions because uh, well, let's just not go down that path. <laughs> I mean, I've played, um, so there, there are plenty of videos online that are, that show off Quake Champions trick jumping. So that's already a thing. Um, there's really? just not, yeah, it's absolutely a thing, man. Um, in fact, I, you, well, part of the reason why I even played Quake Champions is because I could do such crazy shit. 
like imagine this you're using slash and you do the crouch slide right well then you immediately do a rocket jump backwards you're busting massive speed at that point i mean you're it's crazy so are these people like getting on the like the bigger kind of slipgate maps and by themselves and just going around the map like crazy or because that's what in i in my mind okay because in my that's mind i'm like i'm thinking well you can't make really cool custom race maps so it's just probably not a thing but i guess i haven't looked for it yeah it's dude it, that's even more obscure of a thing but what's really yeah. weird is that like when i see top level play like i've actually played against rafa once only once um what did his dick taste like actually i have a screenshot showing that i beat him by one frag in deathmatch <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even kidding that's my I only remember, you, i think you sent it to me like when it happened which is it was an honor that you know what's the first thing someone does when they beat rafa in a public match i couldn't help myself man i like i know it's a death match so it doesn't really mean shit but yeah, it still yeah. felt great i was just like man i can't believe i had that in me i got like one frag on violent heart one time and i like thought i was over the moon for yeah. about, about yeah. six months <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah dude i would be too <laughs> it's like i think that's how i met uh uh g king was like just playing like pu- public matches in quake live or whatever and then he would you know end up in a server with us i'm like oh my god like what the fuck G-Nick, my bad I, it's king backwards i'm so stupid <laughs> it really yeah, G- blew my mind how you could just run into these people like that you know well, Quake's a small community. Even the top level pros are—it's like unless they're meeting up with their homies to practice against each other, they're just like the rest of us average Joes, like trying to find a match at four a.m. So. Yeah, it's true. That is so true. You're right. Um, yeah, it's—I don't know. I feel a bit guilty because I'm kind of disconnected from just Quake uh, team play or like even like online multiplayer in general because I've been so. You know, the past year of this podcast has been fucking boomer shooters and or like, you know, single player maps because I got really into that for a long time. You've been a busy guy. Yeah. Uh, well, it sucks because like, you know, I love this stuff, but also I don't want to just uh, close the door on exploring new things with the podcast. Like it started out like, you know, an arena shooter thing and then it became like, man, I'd really like to talk about that. Why am I putting myself in a box here where I can't, you know? Um, I mean, I don't see why not branch out. It makes sense to me. But back to back to you, darling. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I remember what I was going to tell you. So, like, um, you were asking if like you just load up Slipgate by yourself or whatever, and then start playing if you want to do trick jumping. Well, actually, there's been times where I've had a couple of friends join join my server, and it was just us hanging out, and we would all try and figure out trick jumps to do on a map, and that ended up helping me tremendously in gameplay. Yeah. I remember one of the first tournaments I ever played in was it was like a state of quake tournament and I had just learned how to rocket jump and but I could only do it by spinning around backwards really quick and shooting myself up like you know that jump um from the floor to the rail gun yeah. on DM6 yeah absolutely. Like, I would I would literally stop turn around and then shoot myself backwards up and that's how I could do it and and the commentators are like what the fuck is this guy doing that's awesome. <laughs> that, was, that was my first trick jump <laughs> ever. Dude, what the best part about that is that you pretty much always learn it on accident. Mm-hmm. Like, and then once you figure it out, I don't know. How it for me was like when I did learn that by accident. And then I was like, wait, how does this work? 
because I was just immediately intrigued by it. And I just kept doing it over and over and over. And then, <laughs> well, I am where I am now because of that, I guess. But yeah. the allure of that is crazy. I'm just not a very creative person because I just, you know, if somebody hadn't taught me how to strafe jump and taught me how to rocket jump. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, even seeing other people do it, I was just kind of in the same place as every non-Quake player is where they look at this game and they're like, that people seem so good at it that it's like impossible that you could ever reach that. League. It's like, again, to, not to keep harping on the Olympics, but I thought Nave was going to join us today too. So it's like, you know, when you, when you see a gymnast make something look so easy that seems completely impossible for the average person to ever accomplish. I mean, they don't realize necessarily like that takes years of work. That's not a thing. You just pop in and become talented at. You could be be surprised with defrag actually. Um, Really? Yeah. I was surprised. We've had a, a large influx of new players because apparently quake live race has more or less died. And we've got a ton of people that have come from Quake Life. I've met a dude that within one month, he was already beating some somewhat difficult maps. Yeah. And and, I, and what you said about someone, if they hadn't taught you strafe jumping, like that's something you always have to be taught, in my opinion. Like, I don't know anyone that's just figured that out on their own. Like, yeah, it was like Frothy Omen videos or like, you know, just sitting in a server with someone who was, you know, much better than me and like being willing to ask questions too. I think that's a problem with the culture of like how matchmaking happens in online games now, period. Is right. that there's no, no, none of that just like sitting in a server with somebody going on anymore. Unless I you- really didn't like that about Quake Champions, to be honest. I mean, it had its benefits, but I, there's nothing like being able to just join a server knowing there's not a round limit. And yeah. you're just, no, sure. It might, that might feel like a glorified chat room sometimes, but like you learn so much through that. You learn so much through that. Like, and Defrag's really friends. good about that. You can ask anyone anything. They'll basically help you on the spot. You you can legitimately, like, find the love of your life doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, is, man. That's mostly how In the Keep started, was just, like, people hanging out together and, like, hey. It, actually, it was, like, a problem because we were all getting into Quake Champions and we're like, man, I'm having trouble, like, making friends to, like, you know, not... I, well, I'm having trouble making friends like I'm a bad kid at school, but like, you know, <laughs> like I, I need people I can like hit up anytime and kind of regularly expect to play a game. And so there's like, well, let's just make a discord server and put the word out. Like that was the only real solution because you couldn't just hang out in a lobby all day. Um, you see familiar faces, but it, it's just, unless you send that chat message in game, which is just not the same as when it's between matches or whatever. It's just, you know, it's just really impersonal. Exactly. Yeah, it creates this divide. Line. I don't know. I guess the assumption now is that everybody on the internet is a troll, so you might as well not talk to them at all. <laughs> I mean, especially in Quake, right? Because there are some uh, very top-tier shit posters in Quake. <laughs> you know? So I, I don't blame some people for walking away for that, but like, oh, there's a lot of good people too, game. though. What's that? It's not. That's the most impressive part of the game. It's not the. It's not the amazing physics or the cool jumps or even like the the great matches it's the the shit talk that's it's like pro wrestling oh dude it's i it's so funny because like i didn't realize how much quake shit talking actually influenced my personality because like you can say basically anything to me like we're decent friends at this point and we shit talk each other and it's like nobody gives a shit but i have to remember that if they're not from quake there's some things i can't just say randomly you know what i mean I think the Doom community's got us 
got us by the balls in that regard. They, they, they probably got, do. They got some top level trollage, you know, going on. I mean, they made the Terry time. wads, so. <laughs> but they, I, th- I think that it's also because the Doom community is just bigger in general. Like, it's a little more like there's lots of them. You know, Quake, Quake has a few like solid communities that stuck together for a long time, especially like the, the mapping community, I would say is the strongest in my view. More people oh, yeah. map for Quake than play Quake, to be honest. That is and, true. I can tell you that personally. But with Doom, it's like, you know, there's lots of people and they're all in different little pockets across the globe and it can get messy, but it could also be really beautiful. Just like uh, making love. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> You know, perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, the Doom community has been for around for forever, and it's honestly Doom's Doom's a lot more accessible. You know, it runs on more computers. Like I've got like friends in Serbia that are still running like computers from the early two thousands, and they're just like, "Yeah, but Doom works." I'm just going to do this. So that helps a lot. It's it takes time for people to get caught up and then like that's another thing that kind of sucks about like just the modern expectation of a of an esport in general is that there's not this uh wide range of accepting that computers have different you know hardware and settings it's like if you want to play quake champions you better have a fucking supercomputer you know whereas the the average joe out there you know living in the wild probably isn't into that but you know when i was a kid we could boot up Quake 3 on an average computer, you know, that we had at school and play amazing. Have a Oh, yes. And it looked fantastic. Even if you had to, like, tweak the visual settings a bit. You could always get it to work, though. That was the great thing. Like, God, dude, one of my, one of my dearest memories in my heart is actually playing Quake 3 in school. It was one day in particular. You'd probably get a kick out of this because of the reaction of one of my friends but you know that one map, CTCTF2, by chance? It's like these two opposing castles, and there's these long hallways. Yep. Okay. So we were doing Rockets Only Capture the Flag, and this was a very special match because on this particular day, we had a substitute teacher that did not give a shit what we were doing as long as we had our work done. So what did I do? I put Quake 3 on every single computer in the classroom, and we had a two versus eight me and my buddy, my friend, he played Unreal Tournament, so I knew that he was good. But everybody else, they weren't really into shooters. So it was just like this crazy matchup we were trying to do. Well, my buddy Anthony, he's going up off the top ledge, off the balcony. He's about to capture the flag. Like, he kept me at bay. I couldn't rocket jump fast enough. But I was just coming in through the corner, and I hit him midair right, as, right before he was going to capture the flag. It said, holy shit, on everyone's computers. <laughs> and what did Anthony do? He fucking punched the monitor, banged his fist down on the keyboard, broke off keycaps, and then he said, fuck this, I need chocolate milk. And he left the classroom. <laughs> and he came back holding like three cartons of chocolate milk. We we had a very similar thing, except my teacher never cared, even whether we got our work done or not. So, But the, I don't know if somebody brought in a USB stick and put it on everybody's computer and then like, all right, let's get to going. And I, none of us knew how to play except for the one guy. And I'll never forget because his, his tag was uh, Skittle Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he just destroyed us. I mean, it was like 
Whoa. But that was, yeah, that's how I was that kid. (laughs) I caught the bug. Then later on when I got my own computer, you know, as a, as a grown up, which was like seven years ago or six, five, I don't know. It was a while back. That was like the first thing I did was like, what was that game I used to play in high school? I want to play that. That's yeah. That'll be fun. That's awesome that you remembered it from that long ago too. It's like it left that much of an impact. Yeah. I mean, it, it really kind of, that was my only reference for what PVP online gaming was too. Cause I wasn't like, all right, let's play. I, I guess I played a little bit of like CSGO, like when I was on the PlayStation, but you know, it was just not something I was into or had any reference for. I didn't know that there was this giant world of esports out there. Just, you know, you I bet you were floored. I bet ah. you were floored when you started playing Quake Three and you just started finding all this other shit. Like, how? That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, ha- Half Life, TFT. I played. I played obviously like Half Life Two, but again on a console, and there I didn't know that there was this whole thing where people were just making content and going fucking ape shit all over the internet. But, you know, that's what I get for being a dummy from Alabama growing up. Hey, man, I'm from North Carolina. I ain't too far from you, so <laughs> I understand the feeling. <laughs> but uh, anyway, how did how did you go from just, you know, playing and stuff to deciding that you were just going to be an autistic freak who... Uh, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> No, you're not wrong about so here's the thing. There is one thing wrong with that story. Um, I'm all, I've always been an autistic freak. <laughs> that was never a choice. <laughs> no, man. Like, so how did I get from like just playing Quake into like finding like trick jumping and stuff? Like, mm-hmm. Well, it actually started in the game called Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast. Oh, God. Okay. And th- that game is one of my favorite games of all time. I, that was the first... It was the first shooter game I had ever played. And I, my dad gave me the CD he had when I was nine. He was like, buddy, you love Star Wars. You're going to love this game. And damn if he wasn't right. Man. And it was only until I got on the multiplayer like two or three years later. To, yeah, by the way, I was like 12 playing this shit online. I learned a lot about the internet a little early. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Probably too early. Yeah, too early, man. Like, it turned me into this guy. What, what the hell? But... I met this one person called Acrobat who made this map called Exploration. And it was this, it, it, when this, when it map was released, it blew away everyone's minds because of the absolutely massive scale of it. Because in Jedi Outcast, you have force jumping, so you can jump really high. And so this person thought, well, why don't I just make a climbing map? You know, it's like a big mountain, but it also had like these giant temples and there were like giant pools and all this other crazy shit. But there's this one section called the the like the big jump, and none me or me and none of my friends knew how to do this at all. And we looked at this thing for like two, two years, probably trying to figure it out because it's like, how the fuck do you jump this big gap? Because it was this big chasm where like you started up tall, right, way up top, and then down below there's well across the chasm that platform was a lot lower. But we didn't know what strafe jumping was. But one day Acrobat joined the server we were on. And he saw what we were doing. He's like, oh, you guys don't know what strafe jumping is? We're like, no. He's like, here, watch this. And when I saw that, that changed my fucking life. Because we spent, me and my friend spent two years trying to figure out how to do this stupid jump. And then this guy does it flawlessly. Hits the back wall even. And then we're like, what the fuck? You need to show us how. He taught us. And I got hooked ever since then from there. 
Finding Defrag was many, many, many years later. That's that's fucking wild. I remember uh, it was probably the first time that I interviewed Uncle Tim Willits, and he name drop. Sorry, he he was talking about you know like when you design a multiplayer map, you should never uh, purposefully put in trick jumps. And his philosophy being that like because they'll figure it out, like they're gonna do shit with your map that you've never dreamed could be possible so why even waste the effort trying to make it happen you know don't force the issue just just like a lay back and spread those legs and see what happens and then but that's that philosophy holds true to some extent but then you end up with all these insane maps and i would say Warfork is just literally every map is designed specifically for this purpose is to just do these crazy wild off the wall things on purpose um it's weird. It's because you started off, as you said, just doing it in a thing that probably wasn't meant for it necessarily, and and just went full Monty. <laughs> I seen, think Tim was right. You think? So? I mean, I mean, he's right to an extent, like you said. So yeah. I think the difference is, is it's how you approach the multiplayer game and what the what, what the intent of that is in the first place. Because, like in Warfork, it automatically advertises itself as this crazy fast-paced game and you know how to do all these things there's, tu- there's tutorials for it, people you know what i mean like trick jumping is like an integral part of that game right now when quake 3 was released they knew about trick jumping and all this and that but they didn't i can see why tim wouldn't have wanted to add those things in specifically to the maps because otherwise how would we get things like the rail jump in dm6 yeah you know what i mean like, like he said, he's dead right about that. However, with Warfork, if they hadn't added all those things to just... I mean, Warfork just asks to be abused, right? And that's the beauty of it. Literally, anything, anytime you see a ramp, you get excited. And you're just right. like, oh, shit, I need that right now. I'm getting on that ramp. <laughs> so, I don't know. It goes both ways. It just depends on what your game's geared toward, towards, I guess. It's like in, in Warsaw, Warfork, period just like dm2 you there's no angle you can look where there's not a potential jump you could do that's like completely out of what the the average person would see as soon as they look at it but like every angle has a a little ramp it's like oh you could do this and this and this and that and that like on purpose um you look at like uh i don't know like the edge from quake 2 and, you know, that was not the intention. It's not like Tim didn't sit down and say, like, I'm going to make a bunch of areas where people can do these sick rocket jumps or whatever. It just happened that way. Yeah, that double jump on the box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's somehow people find a way. <laughs> they will. You leave a, an orifice and they will stick something in it, I promise. I think it's specifically because Tim wasn't marketing these games as trick jumper games or like... Mm-hmm. You know, he marketed them as skill skill games, right? Like for only for the badass of the FPS community, right? Yeah. Well, Quake was the FPS community more or less. There was Unreal, and whatnot, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, but with Warfork, dude, they did something that, in my opinion, is absolutely beautiful because they've done what very few people can do, and that they turned the game into a playground for just jumping around. Like you feel like you're. Dude, I honestly, I get flashbacks of being on monkey bars and on swings and shit. You know what I mean? Like the freedom of movement and what you're able to do. I don't know. It's like if you're good enough, you can never, you'll never lose momentum. You know? Yeah. I mean, even in Quake Three, you'll lose it eventually, even though you can do a lot. 
it's it's fucking mind blowing when you watch people who have been doing it for years like uh I don't know Onos or someone like that any 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 of the people who play in uh cap not, I keep saying I want to say capture the flag but I'm talking about fucking you watch great clan arena players period in any game but especially in Warsaw or Warfork and it's just how could anyone have the mental brain capacity and the fucking fast twitch movement to keep up with what is going on here like you spectate it and it's impossible unless you're watching it from the first person like if you were to take a like a fucking isometric camera you know like when you're watching football or whatever and try to follow the people moving around this map it's just uh i don't know what's happening as a commentator you're just like i don't know i actually could explain that i think i can explain that to you like so as somebody that's been doing that same shit for forever now like I realized a little while ago, like a few years ago, that like it turned into muscle memory because the thing is, is that when you're learning how to do all these tricks, you learn them in very small bites and you like learn like one technique at a time and you just grind it over and over until you get it down. And then when you get it down, it's like, well, it ends up being just a reflexive action. Yeah, it's like you it's more of a reflex than anything else. So like especially in Warfork, like Uncle Had, for example, he's crazy good. And um, what's our what's our other man? Uh. Oh, dude. I feel bad now. He's going to listen to this and be mad at me. Damn. Donkey? Yes. Donkey. Donkey, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, <laughs> but watching Donkey, like, I swear, he knows how to, like, so he's got things planned out in his head when I watch him, right? And he's doing all these crazy things. But I also know that, like, depending on when someone's shooting at him or who's behind him, whatever, literally any opportunity can just be a reflexive action. And it's the right. same thing when, like, when I play Defrag, right? So, Let's say, and that's and that's way different because that's in a run, right? It's not like this freestyle kind of thing in a death match. So even in a run, a lot of the things that you do to like course correct, like let's say you're strafing too far to a side, or like, oh wait, I'm not, I'm not at the right angle, or like, oh, I need to jump higher because I didn't get this you know, with a rocket because I didn't get that distance earlier, whatever. It all just turns into reflexes, and there's, it's. I feel like the time where your brain struggles the most is when you're actually trying to accomplish some of the most difficult things where you're trying to focus on it. Cause I feel like a lot of the trick jumping stuff comes from not focusing. Like mm-hmm. it's just muscle memory. I don't know why that is though. It's the strangest thing. Cause you would think that, yeah, you need to be 100% focused on this shit all the time. But dude, once you learn it, you can just pull it off. It's not even an issue. It's, it's really fun to pull the carpet out of someone who depends on the ability to do that. And <laughs> I hate that when it happens. Because I... Okay, so like fundamentally when people play that the game in general, they rely on the fact that like, okay, we're not going to be quiet because we're going to be speed jumping everywhere, just constantly just flying around the map. Uh, but what we did was booted up a, a version somebody made for it of uh, ZTN... Uh, DM3 Q. Oh no. And Wait. suddenly I'm the best player in the room, which was strange. Cause it's like me and donkey and Gelmosan and you know, that, that crew and they're all infinitely better. Not just at, not just at war fort, but at FPS games in general. But yeah, those guys are nuts. The thing is that like, there's no, it, that map is not made for them to do the whole war fork thing. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, I 
know this map. I mean, I know that map better than probably my own body. Like, I probably get up and <laughs> at some point in my life, not now, but I would get up and like go shower and explore myself less than I would just be walking around this. Map. I would not advertise that. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> this is in the past. I'm, I'm a grown man now. Right. Take it's okay for you to explore yourself. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I just really know this map and, and then suddenly I'm just like fucking donkey up because I am not moving. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around this map. He can't hear me. And suddenly I've got the advantage because he's still trying to like just jump around making noise all the time. And I know exactly where he is all the time. <sighs> Dude. And that's, that brings back that kind of like old school quake shit for me. It's like, I, I will play silent. I will not make a noise. Yeah, you're silent but deadly, man. Like <laughs> I, I've played against people like you on exactly my. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I guarantee you would have kicked my ass in that round too. You just because, walk like, backwards the whole time, like never, never let a motherfucker know where you are until you want them to. Wait, ne- walk backwards. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you really know the map, like you know, you you take a pot shot because you you know where they are. You just heard them, and you okay. Like, oh right, I see what you're saying. Sh- three rockets down and then they'll never know where you were standing because I've already, you know, you're standing up on the shotgun, you know, as long as you don't back up into the shotgun, you go around it and you're like, okay, now I'm at rocket and I'm going to come down the hallway. Cause I know he's not there anymore. Cause I just spam him with rockets. I'll get the lightning gun. And then, you know, I could hit that jump pad, but maybe I'll go over here and then go through the TP and because I know I just, you know, like that's the thought process is like, what was the term Sibby used? Uh, bottleneck and blitzkrieg. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. That, that sounds like more like your strategy here. I like that. I like that. It's very like solid snake of you. I mean, when you're, when I'm doing a duel, like a one V one, which by the way, is almost never like, I kind of <laughs> miss doing that to be honest. But um, whenever I'm doing that, yeah, I think way more about my sound. Cause like using trick jumps in a duel, I mean, you really, I feel like I break them out when I know the power-ups are going to spawn or like when I know a weapon's going to spawn and I have to deny them when they're going to respawn. Like I, that's when the trick jumps come out. But other than that, like, no, you got to be dead fucking silent because you don't know what the fuck's going on. I otherwise have no ostensible skills. That's something that Gelmo would make fun of me for a lot. (laughs) He's like, it is outstandingly amazing how you can beat someone who is objectively better than you in every way simply by knowing the ins and outs of a map so well. And that's my compliment. Yes. Like, I'm not good at aiming. I'm not good at moving or anything like that makes a good quake player. It's just that on this day, I knew a map so much better than they did. That's it. Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, map knowledge is like that is at least fifty percent of quake. That is at very minimum fifty percent of quake. Like map knowledge is everything, man. Because and that goes back to trick jumping too. Like because if you yeah. know the map well enough, you know exactly how far your jumps are going to be from each other. Like. Even if you don't have to use it, it's just like knowing that it's there, knowing what every opportunity is. Because what if the person behind you firing a rocket up your ass, they have no idea that you can jump to rail. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like things like that. Yeah, map awareness is everything, dude. It, it's huge. It's uh, it's really cool when it, it, like the maps that you make when, when you watch someone who just clearly has ran this same route like, 14 million times or something like that. And they know exactly what to do. And like you said, sort of muscle memory stuff, but I don't get it. It's uh, it's, it's really, really beautiful as a spectator sport, but it's again, it's so intimidating. It's like watching a fucking gymnast do their thing. Like I could never do that. 
that is that is kind of a problem in defrag right so like just looking at the monolith a completely flat just slick wall that you could not possibly climb right Mm -hmm. but so like one of the ways we try to combat that is like i don't know man i guess i say we as if this is a concerted effort but it's more like these guys are just cool like if you go into a server and you ask questions They'll help you. I mean, in the Discord, there's so many tutorials and whatnot, and there's even a help channel. <laughs> but, like, so that's, like, one thing we try to do to deal with that. But also the, um, I don't know, whenever you watch it, it looks incredibly impressive. But at the same time, like, when you learn how to do it, you're just like, oh, wait, some of these simpler things, like, this actually isn't that big of a deal. It's just, like, an extension of learning one small thing. It's kind of right. like when you learn how to play guitar and you learn how to do a scale. But, like, when you see someone do, like, a really fast sweep, it's like, oh, wait, well, they're just doing a scale, but they're doing it really fast, you know? It's kind of thinking – that's how I think of it, you know? I'm a horrible guitar teacher because I, I'm self-taught, right? So and You're way better I, than me, though. That <laughs> Damn it. I, I think you're – I think we're both pretty good in different ways, and that's kind of how I always kind of look at it. Like, yeah, that's I'm, true. That's true. I'm not a, a overtly technical guitar player, but I think that there's – that kind of fundamental thing with the blues is like, do you, can you bend a note? Can you like make the guitar sing? Oh, I can make it sing brother. You know? And then there are other people who are like very trained, you know, and it, the same thing could be said for a million other things, but just guitars are our mutual example here is like, you can totally just play the notes in the correct order and at the correct speed. And you know, okay, that was really cool. But it, there's a soul aspect to it. There's like this X factor. Absolutely. That, you know, you have to kind of have. And I draw that metaphor to say, like, do you think that with defrag or just in general, are there some people who just like they ain't got it? Like it's just not going to happen for them? Or so can you meticulously dude, teach the skill? That is a really, really good question because it's funny you bring up like that the dichotomy with the guitar there, right? Because in defrag there are players that like in the community like we identify certain players as being like almost robotic you know what i mean and then other ones that are just like they're more like uh i don't know if the right word is reactionary but it's like they can just they can adapt they're adaptive to everything you know like there's some people that want to memorize a very specific set of steps you know to do something but then there are other people that are like all right i know what the route is like i'm just gonna go for this and then see i'll i'll just course course correct as i go and there are very top tier players on both sides of that spectrum and but as far as people like not being able to get it i don't i haven't met anyone in defrag so far that like if they want it they'll get it because like i remember dude i've been so since i've been playing it for like 10 years i've met plenty of people that they join in new and like i can see them later and i just see how much they've grown dude everyone that's kept at it like they've they've made an impact for themselves. Like they've gotten a couple good times. Like even if they're not even rank ones, right? Because not everyone's going to get a record. But you'd be surprised at what you can do. Like we've had people come out of the blue, and then within like two months, they're like smashing records that stood for like two or three years. Like yeah, there's something to having a fresh pair of eyes too. It's like you know someone who y- you assume this is the best it can be, but this you know there's always someone who comes along and looks at it in a different way or like just slightly they, they probably do something that you would think is wrong but it's like oh that opens up new doors that just no one had considered before right 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. people. So there's this um, category of map or we call it or genre or whatever you want to call it called a think map. And basically think maps just abuse the Quake 3 engine to hell and back. And it, whatever obscure bug, tiny, crazy thing you can think of, these think maps will abuse that. And so sometimes these things aren't beaten for a long time, but then like someone brand new shows up and then they figure it out mm-hmm. and just that brand new fresh pair of eyes. But even in other runs we're like, Oh wait, I can just rocket jump over to here. Cause there's a trigger that he didn't fully extend or like, Oh wait, the sky box doesn't. In fact, here's a perfect example. I have a good friend, OJ, um, or orange, you know, I'd call him OJ cause it's easier. I didn't but, know that you were friends with him. Is he out of prison now? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like sometimes he crashes at the crib, you know, we yeah. smoke a little. Goes yeah, man. Golfing. Oh dude, man. We hit the, we hit the back nine every weekend. <laughs> dude, we like to play the par three course and then do a little putt putt afterwards. Does he ever talk about, you know, what he did and did, did he do it? Does he wear the, does he have, dude, nah, he, man, he didn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do it, man. I believe him, man. He's a good friend of mine. Like we get ice cream sometimes, and like, dude, I'm just saying, like OJ's a good guy. Don't count him out, you know. Like you might have heard some bad shit, but this guy's real, all right. Like, don't talk shit about OJ, dude. All right. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, Orange, that guy, good friend of mine. He's been in the community far longer than I have, but he's known to like find bugs and like crazy routes in the game. There's this one run I've been doing for the past week or so that um, I was able to break a record on, but he he just kept finding these crazy new strategies, and I was actually going to be doing that tonight, um, but I got a little sick. But better now, but anyway, um, he just finds this crazy stuff. Like for example, you know how um, I don't know if this might be a little too esoteric for this, but basically on a skybox you can have no impact, which just means that like the rocket gets sucked into the skybox. You've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes if that skybox shader doesn't have that, you can just rocket jump off of the skybox. <laughs> and so this guy figured out you could do that and they get underneath the walls of a different section and then teleport to the next room. And so it, it I mean, fuck, man. Yeah, fresh pair of eyes can happen from anywhere. <laughs> like new people have done that for me as well. I remember one dude just joined the server I was on. I was playing a map he had just saw a run of on Holly Driver. And uh, he was like, dude, I saw your run, but you've really fucked up. And I'm like, the fuck do you mean? He's like, dude, do you not see this shortcut? Watch. And then I went to Spectator, and he was just like, dude, duh. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> I love stuff like that. That's awesome. I, I always enjoy... Um how creative people can be it's like with any aspect of it whether that be you know what we're talking about right now or just like coming up with a new idea for a game or what the fuck ever and it, i feel like there's this just infinite universal knowledge that i'm like i'll never master you know and not, and that's just, i'm just talking about video games here like there's every other aspect of life i guess in that <laughs> realm but there's just never an, an end cap to what people can come up with there's no limits. There are no limits, dude. Like, I've seen records in Defrag that have stood for over eight years that get crushed one day. Like, things that nobody even wanted to attempt, you yeah. know? And then someday, like, some random dude shows up and he's just like, you know what? I want that. Like, 
there is one map in particular that ever since it was released, nobody has ever been able to beat it. Nobody was ever able to beat it for like God knows how many years. And then one day this random Russian dude shows up and he's really good at plasma. And then he just completely butt fucks the map. Like, and everyone is just in shock and awe. Nobody knows how this was possible. And stuff like that happens rarely, sure, but it happens frequent enough to call it a pattern. So what, it's amazing what the upper limits are. What inspired you to like break open the, the map maker and see what you could pull off? What inspired me was back in Star Wars again. Um, okay. <laughs> so like maps like Exploration or... Um, in fact, I know what specifically it was now that I think about it. So, you know, um, like clans are a big thing in, in FPS games or AFPS games. Even in other ones, I guess, like Call of Duty, whatever. Mm. But like clans are a big deal. And I remember that I could download these massive, awesome maps. And the way clans would compete with each other, it wasn't only in like lightsaber duels. It was also in their map making ability. So people would actually make clan maps. And these were mostly like hangout maps and they'd have like dual areas and teleporters and different things. There'd be like bars, there'd be a playground, there'd be like, there'd be different pools. It was almost like role playing. It was kind of really strange, but like there was still that combat element to it. But everyone in JK2 really treated it like a hangout server, kind of like what you were talking about when you you missed that from Quake Champions, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that was Jedi Outcast multiplayer, even Jedi Academy, whatever. Both of those are like the ultimate when, when it comes to that, because at any moment you can have a fight if you want to, but also you just chill, you hang out. And when I saw these gigantic, amazing maps and like, it's so weird because the clan maps were always the most impressive ones. Always. I mean, there are a couple exceptions, but when you think of the best maps to play in multiplayer, you always think of those clan maps. And I was like, God, when I owned a clan at the time, at 13 or 14 years old, whatever. <laughs> I was like, dude, I got to make a map for my clan. By the way, the clan was called Total Carnage. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I've heard worse names. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the word. Yeah, you know what I got? You've ever played Smash TV? No, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Smash TV is this arcade game where it's like an isometric game where uh, you go through these different stages and hordes of enemies, enemies come out. You could play co-op. And basically... Smash TV was like this TV show where like two contestants would go on and they would try and kill all these aliens and monsters. And the whole time the announcer would be talking to you like when you did something crazy or you picked up a good item. And so whenever you blew up a shitload of enemies, the guy would just be like, total carnage. (laughs) I loved that as a kid. So I turned it into a clan tag. (laughs) But anyways, I wanted to make a clan map and that's what got me into it. And I just started learning how to use radiant and, Moving on from there, I just I built most of my mapping skills from Jedi Outcast. Actually, it wasn't even from Quake. And if I remember correctly, now you're like just full on being asked to make shit for like Defrag World Cup and stuff. Or is that like a like a you get invited to do sort of thing, or do you just kind of like submit stuff? How does that work? So, man, it's a big gray area. If I'm honest with you, like, yeah. And also, I got some sad news. Part of that, man, like. So, all right, getting invited to, so getting invited is kind of what happened this year, right? Mm-hmm. So people would get message and like, hey, man, um, we'd love to see a map from you this year. Do you want a map for the World Cup? But then also, like, 
you can go up to them and ask if you can make a map for them. And they'll probably ask you like, well, do you have anything to show us of your previous work or whatever? Yeah. They'll probably do something like that, but they, they've allowed other people to submit maps. Um, you're always welcome to do so. They just may not always do it. But I got asked this year and I got teamed up with a really, really skilled guy. Um, I'm more, he's incredibly good at detail and he also has an eye for gameplay. Um, so the plan was is that I make the gameplay section and then he makes the uh, the visual and do all the visuals. So I wasn't able to finish my map for this year, but they also had a huge influx of really good maps, so I don't feel too bad. But basically my plan is right now is um, submit it for next year because I didn't realize the scale of the project I was taking on. Like I kind of got the writer's block, but... We do have a good foundation. It's got like a good 30 seconds to it so far. So it's just too short. I, it needs to be like a minute long or so. But I do have something. But yeah, you can either get invited or submit something yourself. That's crazy, man. Yeah, dude. I actually, I really believed that I was going to get this done on time, but I didn't realize like, here's the thing. Like when you map for the DFWC, you, there's a certain, it's like an unspoken set of rules, Right. So the DFWC, all those maps, you want them to flow really, really well. You don't want to have like staggered tricks a whole lot. And you want to make sure that there's always an easy route for everybody. Like, cause you want the map to be completable by everyone, even if it's the final round and it's only meant for the best of the best, that's still like a requirement. And then now on top of that, you have to make sure that it's going to be visually pleasing. And so all these things have to come together. And you also have to make sure the difficulty isn't going to be too high, but it isn't too low, depending on what round you're going for, right? Uh, what round you, map, you want your map to go for. It also has to be, um, in terms of difficulty within the own map, pacing with that, that has to be mediated. Um, there's just so much more to think about than as if you're releasing a map for yourself under your own name, you know? Mm -hmm. So it really changes everything. Dude, the amount of detail and attention that those maps get from the people that make them. I mean, God bless those people. They do a shitload of work. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it's, that's another thing that always kind of blows my mind about creative people and map makers specifically is like how much work someone will put into something sheerly for, because they like doing it. You know, there's, there's no like real, like this is going to make me, you know, because most people in the world are, like, motivated by, like, money or praise or whatever the fuck. And it's, like, that's not really an aspect here because, you know, you could be the best goddamn defrag mapper in the world. And it's not like you're going to be world famous for it. You'll get the respect of your peers, and I guess that's part of it, too, right? But Yeah, you get respect of your peers for sure. I mean, like, yeah. dude, honestly, I felt a lot of pressure this time around because I didn't realize how badly people wanted a map from me mm -hmm. in, like, Oh, that it got in my head a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, dude. In the, in the defrag community, like they, when people make maps, it, God, there's not a hope of you making money off of it. That's never even a thought. It's like people just love this game so much, dude. People, I know mappers that have been doing this for so many years, and like they'll even quit the game, but they come back and then they'll release another map out of nowhere, and then everyone's blown away. We're like, yes, yes, and then the guy's just like, I had to do it. Like, can't tell you how many times something like that has happened. But yeah, man, people just, they're really dedicated to it, especially for the World Cup, because in Defrag, that's like, that's like our Christmas, because it doesn't even come every year. <laughs> we don't get a World Cup necessarily every year, though that is something we're moving towards. I think that that's actually going to start happening now. 
Um, by the way, the World Cup trailer is out for this year. I need yeah, to show you that it. later. You did see it? Okay, cool. Yeah, and Gelmosan keeps, you know, he keeps tabs on that. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does keep good track of that. Okay, good. He's a better friend than I am. <laughs> it's, it's cool, man. I, I'm a little disappointed because we had talked about, like, kind of the production end of things, and I, I really do still think that there's a huge uh, – there, there's a bigger audience for this uh, uh, to some extent, like with proper I believe like, that. production value and like just marketing and everything. Cause I, you know, it's just a community based thing and like you can only do so much. And I mean, that's still on the table, by the way. I know. Like, I, just as as I, know. Yeah, I had this other event I was doing over the summer. That- no, I understand, man. Things happen. Like they actually were asking if anyone wanted to get in on this recently. Um, I think now would be a great time to talk to him about it, but we can talk about that later if you like. Yeah, um, we can touch tips after after the podcast. Yeah, I, dude, I've always wanted to touch tips. That's thank you. That's <laughs> the greatest invitation you've ever extended towards me. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I, there's only so many fucking hours in the day. It drives me bananas. Like, <laughs> dude, you're a really busy guy. Like, I understand. I, <laughs> That's what. Like, I make fun of you all all the time about it, right? But. It's okay. You know, I, I talk a lot of shit about like I'm so busy. I don't know, but it's really a time management thing because at the end of the day, I you know I spent probably like four hours the other night playing uh, Frozenheim when I could have been getting shit done. But I mean, you do what you <laughs> want to get done. You know what I mean? Like right. your time is spent where you want it to be. I also think it's like just an energy thing. I don't. know. Some people have very different ways of like kind of harnessing their uh, you know work ethic or their creative energy, and to me, it's like. When it comes, it just hits me in a wave, and then I just ride it all the way back to the beach. Some people, um, I don't know, have different ways of handling it, but I I, th- I don't know if it's like a – I wouldn't say it's a depression-related thing, but certainly like a – you know, you you go in cycles, and Dude, I go I, through – That's how I am with mapping. Yeah. Like – I mean, during this cycle of the World Cup, like in the, the development phase, I would get questions like once or twice a week, sometimes a lot more than that from multiple people like, hey, man, do you have an update? Hey, man, do you have an update? And I'm like, guys, that's not how I work. Like it might be like once every two weeks, I'll pump like eight hours into it straight on a Saturday. Yeah. And then like that's just how I operate because I don't have that creative juice flowing all the time. But when it comes, I will gas that shit out. Like I'll completely empty the tank. Because I... I mean, when I got home, this is like a month ago, you know, now, which seems crazy, but like I got home from Realms Deep and I'm just like, I am not doing a podcast for a while. First of all, because I mean, I had just released like a fuck ton of them, you know, for the event. And I'm like, I mean, I should give people some breathing room to digest right. that before I just go pumping out new content. But then the other part of me is just like, I just don't want to fucking do it. I want to fucking, you know, play all the games that I just saw, you know, trailers for that I didn't have time to actually like try the demo for and and like, hang out with my wife and stuff yeah. like that that kind of shit. And then Well, that part is a little important. I would suggest putting making that a part of your daily routine. Um, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see why that would be needed. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, you also got to play those games, right? Cuz like that's also going to inspire you for future podcasts, so that makes sense to me. But then, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, I, I finally just like, it just hit me and I, like, all right, it's time. And like, there was no turn it back. I messaged you and several other people. I'm like, it's time to start rolling again. Nice. And, and now it's just, uh, I, I can feel grateful, by the way. Thank you. 
oh yeah, dude, like fuck, I've been meaning to do this forever. It's just like we had to, the, the time had to line up, and I was like, well, I haven't scheduled anyone. I guess I'll find the first jackass that popped. I was really thinking about like who. I, want to talk I am definitely Gilmo. the first jackass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gil- Gilmo had showed me actually the, the, the defrag world cup trailer and both of us were kind of like, Oh fuck. We really dropped the ball on that. But then yeah. I, I, <laughs> that, like, man, I, I want to talk to Kairos cause I hadn't heard from you in a while. I'm like, shit, I hope he's not dead or something. Um, no, nah, dude, I was a, actually on a little bit of a hiatus from quake. I was doing a lot of cruelty squad speed running. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole nother, can of worms to open up dude that it's a ridiculous ridiculous thing to get into like i'm actually moderating the speed runs single-handedly at the moment and i'm running a discord for it so it's like yeah i was a little busy with that (laughs) more or less though they've kind of been taking care of themselves what a hideous game dude i i get it like it is absolutely hideous and like but what's insane about it is that the gameplay of it will bring you back to when you were a child it's like, so cool, man. It's like, uh, what's the what's a good analogy? Like Perfect Dark, like these kind of or a Hitman. That's that's the one it really brings to my brain. Yeah, because yeah, it's like it's Hitman on ayahuasca and crack. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on PCP, man. Dude, basically, I'm, yeah, dude. I have no problem saying that. That game is nuts. <laughs> yeah. But. God, it just it looks like a migraine. It it can give you motion sickness for sure. I've actually yeah. had people like they said that they couldn't join my stream anymore because I was playing <laughs> that game because it would give them motion sickness. One dude even said like, "Hey man, you should really put like a seizure warning on your stream." I'm like, "Oh shit, that's a thing." You- oh no. <laughs> I mean, potentially. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a weird case for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I still love it though. It's a very good game. Worked out great for them. I mean, like it—it it was a, almost a marketing tool, really. Like because the the new blood guys like pumped that game the fuck up, you know. And if you got, I don't even know how many fucking people follow Dave Oshry on Twitter nowadays, but you know, any percentage of that audience seeing praise for your game is huge, especially in a small indie game. I mean, like do the do the numbers if you know, I don't know, a few thousand people pay fifteen bucks or whatever for your your game. I mean, you're making some serious cash, even when you take the Steam money out of it. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, that guy, as soon as he released the game, he released, like, one bug fix just in case, like, something happened, and then he immediately went on vacation. <laughs> Good. Like, dude, that guy made a fuckload of money. Like, he just started raking it in, and then he's been on vacation ever since. I actually haven't seen a post from him in a while. Let's switch it out. Who was Yeah, that, and, uh... dude, I want him to enjoy that. Like, he made... I will honestly tell you, Cruelty Squad is one of my favorite games that has ever been made. That's how good it is to me. Like not only in terms of a speedrunning sense, I just mean in terms of gameplay. Like it's awesome. I can tell you've been uh, you've been on a on a kick with it since like it came out, (laughs) and you never stopped talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Well, I've been in that game since early access, and I've been speedrunning it since early access. The developer himself even gave me moderator power for the speedrun site because. One day I submitted like eight runs at once and then they went unlooked at for like a week or something. And I asked somebody about it. He was just like, hey, do you want to be a moderator? <laughs> I just kind of fell into the job, I guess. But uh, Maybe maybe someday after he gets back from his vacation, I could uh, talk to him. But Shoot, man. I, I bet he'd love an interview. Yeah, it'd be cool. I don't know. I, I 
try to um, not do interviews only because, ooh, you know, this will get a bunch of views or whatever, but because like right. it's, I want to, if I'm going to have a conversation with someone, like feel like I'm genuinely like in it, you know, I'm interested in this topic. I, and I'm just not on the, the wave of cruelty squad at the moment. Eventually I will be probably understandable, dude, but that interview needs to take place when like, I'm super familiar with what's going on and I feel passionate about it and not just because I'm like, Oh, that'd be a really interesting interview or whatever. Dude, that'd be a really trash podcast. I would not suggest you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, have you ever played Lovely Planet? I have not. What is that game? It's the cutest uh, game ever, but it's like this. What an apt description. <laughs> that it it looks like a fucking you know, I don't know, like a K-pop music video. <laughs> it's like uh, and it's got like that you know kind of. Yeah, cute music going on and everything is just adorable. It's got the uwu going on. It it absolutely does, but it's it's <laughs> an inherently um the the game is inherently for, you know, like speed speed runs. That's the whole point of it. It's like literally like you have like a part time that you have to beat and you yeah, it's like little enemies but they're mostly stationary and then you have like flying tomatoes that you have to shoot out of the sky before they touch the ground or else you die and like the whole thing is just like m- memorizing or finding new paths in order to complete the level faster. You said this is an FPS or is it 3d 2d? What is this? It's it's a 3d FPS, 3d FPS. Nice dude. That sounds like it's up my alley. I'd like to see this game. I absolutely, what the whole point of me bringing it up was like, I would like to see you like do, do a a nice little run of that game at some point. Dude, I'd be down to check that out. Yeah. That sounds like fun. I'll, I'll get it for you on steam after this. Well, sweet, dude! Now I'm going to go out and bought games, man. What's happening here? The you thing that brought me to mind was that I interviewed him, and whenever he put that game out, essentially he's just like, "Yeah, I just you know put out my game, and it was a bit of a success." And then I just because ah. I think he's uh, from India, if I remember correctly, and he just like went on a world traveling vacation just like yeah i went to america and then i went you know now i think he lives in japan or something like nice because i because the game like i I thought i didn't i don't read uh eastern characters at all i don't know what the fuck they even look like (laughs) i mean i I know what what they look like but i I couldn't tell you the difference between like at at first glance i couldn't tell you the difference between uh japanese korean or chinese letters I actually, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I know um, what Korean looks like, but if you ask me to read kanji versus whatever the hell is in China, I, I have no idea. But yeah, it's just like the guy hit gold with one game and then just like, I want to take a fucking vacation. I'm like, that's no. what you should do, sir. Celebrate yeah. your, <laughs> yeah, celebrate your success, man. Let's go. Like, fantastic. Good for him, man. Like, I, if it's that damn good, I'd love to see this. It sounds awesome. Yeah, the guy's name is Quick Tequila. I don't know why I was blanking. I've been blanking on everything. Quick Tequila. Horrible, horrible interview. I'm so bad. Uh, you are a terrible know, interviewer. You're bad, remember. and you should feel bad. Can't even remember how to say clan arena, much less fucking do a. <laughs> it's my first one back. You know what? I'm rusty. Let's call it ring. Oh, rusty. You know, you hadn't had enough coffee. You know, you've got a, you got a few excuses to bring out. I understand. Yeah. So 
you uh, you and I touched already a little bit on guitar playing and shit like that, but uh, you you are the official representative of Christian metal in the In the Keep Discord. So I figured we should should talk a little bit about your your journey because not not just the musical part of it, but you're like a particularly interesting guy with a particularly interesting background. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping we could we could dabble into that if you're not. Uh, so you so you really want to go real deep? You like you want to get into my real personal shit? All right. That's up to you, man. I mean, it's no, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool I, with that because it actually gives like, me an opportunity. Yeah, I feel like you have a story that's like uh, worthy of people hearing. Since you're an interesting person. Well, that's cool, man. Thank you. Well, all right. You, what was the first question you asked with that? <laughs> because you had like three different ones bundled up in well, there. The first thing is like it, you're you're really into Striper, so like I, I'm kind of hoping. Right, music was the first one. Yes. All right. So yeah, Striper, man. Like Striper's awesome. They are. Uh, they started back up in like 1984, I think. They were first known as Rock's Regime. They made an EP under the you know the Rock's Regime label, but then they changed their name to Striper, which actually uh, goes back to a Bible verse in Isaiah. Um, and let me see here. I don't want to mess this up. I believe it's salvation through redemption, yielding peace experiencing something i don't quite remember holy i had no idea that it went that deep it actually does oh, here we go so from it's derived from the king james version of the bible he was wounded for our transgressions brewed for iniquities the chastisement of repeat okay so go on striper's drummer robert sweet also created a, an acronym for their name salvation through redemption yielding peace encouragement and righteousness so that's what striper stands for they are um Dude, they're Jesus oriented, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, so I grew up on Christian music when I was a kid because um, I grew up in a like a Southern Baptist household, and my dad happened to know some really sick music <laughs> in the Christian area. So he showed me people like Striper and Guardian, you know, the Allies, Bob Carlyle. He's not really metal, yeah. but like you know that um, dude, all sorts of people. Like I learned Switchfoot was always one of my favorite bands growing up as well, but. In terms so of Christian metal, get into huh? music specifically because of that. You know, they, they, that's what they do. They go to church, and then like that's where they see music for the first time. And it's like this. They got. I mean, most uh, of our favorite, you know, rock and roll pioneers were gospel singers at some point. You know, like that's how they got into it, and that's part of what rock rock and roll was like. This weird mix of like blues and 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 rockabilly and gospel music, and it became like a sound, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, my dad was the primary influence. I mean, church music is also like gospel in particular. There's some, in fact, black gospel is some of my favorite music sometimes. Like Kirk Franklin, you know? Fuck yeah, dude, Kirk Franklin. Like, also, there, there was a time where I enjoyed Toby Mac when I was younger. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? This is the slam. Oh, that's going to get me kicked off your YouTube. Oh, dude, I forgot about that. <laughs> dude, did you ever listen to Ska? Uh, I didn't. I'm not like a Ska guy. Like, you know, there are people who are really into that so let me, genre. Let me give you some help, man. Let me I was really help. into like Operation Ivy and like kind of those like punk bands that sh- experimented with Ska to some extent, you know? Gotcha. Kind of a, pioneers of the genre maybe but i just didn't follow it down the rabbit hole i know you like rock 
So imagine if ska and rock went together in a really good way. There's an album that you should just look up. It's just called Revenge of the OC Supertones. I'll put it on the uh, the Spotify. That was the first CD I ever bought. And tell you what, that was one of the best purchases I ever made. <laughs> I still listen to that album sometimes. It's a really good, really good album. But um, yeah, man. Um, the first time I'd ever, I mean, I knew of Striper from like, you know, the VH1 classic kind of shit, you know, you'd see them on there every once in a while. But the first thing that I really like picked up on them was because I was reading, I mean, this is a long time ago, but one of Chris Jericho's autobiographies and, you know, cause he's a, he's pretty devout Christian. You wouldn't know it from his wrestling character, but like, that's who he is. And he was really into metal, but he like, he was like, I, but the imagery was always this kind of like, you know, Slayer, that kind of stuff like this. Right. Sort of anti what he believed in sort of thing. Not that it's inherently like diametrically opposed, just that it's, he wanted something that resonated with who he felt like he was. And Striper was that band for him. And uh, I guess, I mean, somehow you could try to say that like Fozzie is somewhat of a Christian band, even uh, like, I mean, even their, their biggest song is his entrance music, which is Judas. And it kind of has that same sort of message, but it's weird. Um, was that, was that a factor for you or did you just like love it anyway? A factor for me, like the fact that it was Christian music. Or? Yeah. yeah. Was that uh, like a, well, yeah, so I like loved it anyways. Yes. I loved it anyways, man. Like the fact that it was Christian music was, I mean, it was a positive on my life as well, but yeah. I also did like that because I, because of how I grew up and I, I'm still consider myself Christian today, obviously. But, um, well, I don't know if that's obvious. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I should claim right. obvious. Not obvious. Like you know, you're you're a normal kind of crazy dude most of the time, and then but you also have like this side of you that is like spiritual or whatever. Like I I get that. Like Bridge Burner, you wouldn't know it. That's one of the first things I like wanted to ask him about when I had him on the show. I'm like, how do you reconcile uh, being the leader of the Hellforge Studios and making all this like soup, you know, but super. Um, Satanic, satanic imagery in your games and shit, and then you. But you're also like really a Christian, and he's like, well, and his ex- explanation was perfect. He's like, well, it's not like I'm. You're playing as the devil. You're playing as like this righteous crusader killing the devil, and and all of his minions. So it's it's not bad. <laughs> I'm like, I guess that makes it. Dude. You know, that's really funny you say that. Yeah, because like I watched a this. You know, Sandy Peterson has a, his own YouTube channel now. Obviously. He, uh, I watched this thing about him talking about doom and how there's this one. I didn't know that Sandy Peterson has always been a devout Christian. i never knew that. Um, well, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I just didn't know that about him. I remember that's the story about how, uh, what was it? John Romero, like they made like this, uh, pentagram symbol symbol with like, or sorry, they put Jesus on a cross. Right. And, right. and John Romero made it a floor texture, but then Peterson was like, Hey man, well maybe we shouldn't like walk on the image of Jesus. And then Romero's like, "Oh shit, you're right. Let me change that." And like, I don't know. I always liked that. Especially I know you're probably the, very familiar with that already, but in the Middle East, it's like uh, that is a huge sign of disrespect. At one point, um, I believe it was the there was a hotel, like a, a really like kind of famous, like you know, diplomat kind of 
hangout place in in uh, Baghdad, and they had put George Bush's face in like mosaic floor tile on it, so that everyone who walked through the threshold of that building would be stepping on his face, which is seen as a huge sign of disrespect. Like you know, it's the same thing with like you don't show someone the bottom of your foot that's like flipping them off, sort of for them. Um, oh, if I, I understand correctly, I'm not trying to like speak for an entire region of the world, but that is that was my understanding of how that is received it's like a sort of a disrespectful symbol to them and yeah so i could totally see why it would you i mean you wouldn't want to put anybody's uh deity necessarily on the floor unless you're directly trying to you know be edgy or offensive yeah being edgy or offensive which i mean there there are times and places for that you know like i'm I'm completely fine with that like i mean in fact kind of way i think about that in a way is that like how much blaspheme does God receive every single day that he just deals with? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, well, obviously he can take it. <laughs> Why can't I? I mean, every, mean, I need to respect it, but I can take it. You know what I mean? Every, every parent probably, you know, expects their teenager to be like, fuck you. I hate you. And slam the door in their face at some point. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's, it's not my particular like exp- area of expertise, but. I feel like it, it is expected. You know, we're all human beings inherently. We're we're prone to uh, kind of oppose whatever we think is authoritative at any point. I, mean, I definitely did. I went through that phase. I'm still kind of going through that phase. <laughs> I don't think I ever <laughs> just fully accept any form of authority. But yeah, the authority is difficult, man. Like. I don't know. It, it's like only when you really fuck up and you realize that you aren't the authority. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's when you you suffer like that. You're just like, ah, oh, damn it! Now I remember, I'm not the boss of this shit. Oh man. <laughs> you said you had a couple other questions for me. Well, I can't remember what they were. Well, you you told me the story before of how you like kind of went through your arc of hitting rock bottom and then the your faith and everything kind of like helped you come back to you know i could be a normal person again and all that kind of thing and i don't want to like pressure you to answer any no no i stories that you're not comfortable doing but i do i'm comfortable with telling it so like part of the reason i'm comfortable telling it is because like half of the defrag community that's been around as long as i have or less even they know how crazy i am they know about my past anyway so it's not like it's a secret necessarily yeah but um, also, it gives me an opportunity to witness here. So, <laughs> basically, man, like, um, I got I got hardcore into drugs at one point in my life, man. Like, since I grew up as a church kid, I, when I was, it was like three days before my 18th birthday, I'll never forget this. I had smoked weed for the first time. And I didn't even know what it was at the time of me doing it, right? <laughs> and so, but like, fast forward a bit, and I had a... I had basically gone from like thing to thing to thing to thing just to like know what it was like because the dare program and my parents and church like everything told me that like oh if you do this you'll literally drop dead you'll die you know it'll fucking kill you instantly and (laughs) when i realized that that was a complete lie i was like well how much more is a lie Uh and because of the autistic freak that i am i just kind of kept going with that and i also just dude i didn't have priorities either like 
I guess I was a smart kid in school, but like I, it didn't matter to me. Like I didn't have many friends. I didn't know how to like socialize really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've always had to work on in the first place. But like at the time it was just bad. You know, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. But then just making terrible decisions, man, starting to like, okay, well, I really don't give a fuck. I got hooked on heroin at one point, man. And I did that for a few years. And as of today, I've been clean for about five years now. Um, I'm proud of you. But thanks, man. Thank you. But it took like two stints of rehab. You know, I lived in a couple halfway houses. And dude, I've been been homeless at points. Like, yeah, man, it's been rough. But I remember the one night, like, I actually decided or like actually, you know, I pretty much gave in. So, like, growing up in a Southern Baptist home, it's like, well, you've always had it good your whole life. You know, you've never actually had to suffer through a whole lot. And it's like, your faith just kind of came with your household, you know? Like, you just, you were born into that, you could say. Or, like, you've always seen this your whole life. So, you haven't, you don't really know what it's like to have faith. And you know what? I agree with that, in a way. Because I never was actually challenged on what I believed in. And I was acting like a fucking heathen, you know? And... (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like you do this one thing, but you act another. And so what it was is that I was just laying in bed one night in rehab. And I was like, God, I'm going to kill myself like straight up tonight. Right. Right. The fuck now. Or, it's, or I'll do it tomorrow because I'm tired. But if you can just I give in, I'll do whatever you tell me at this point. It's the last thing I can do. Because I actually hadn't fucking acted on my faith that whole time. I hadn't actually tried it hard enough to like actually rely on him because I didn't have to. Yeah. But when I was forced to at that point, well, I made the right choice. God did the rest. They say that he takes 99 steps towards you and you take the last one for 100. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, and switch where it's like you go 90, I'll go 10 for the kiss. And there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so that's how it was for me that same situation. And, uh, dude, it's so weird. Like I remember I was so vocal about this whole fucking thing. Like when I was online in defrag, like an idiot, I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> Man. Did, did you find that people like sort of judged you or like rejected you based simply? Cause I feel like we, not like, really, not okay. really. No, like, dude, what's crazy is that like, there are plenty of people that were really sad about it. And then there were some people that would make fun of me for it, but I didn't care. Cause like, I'd already like, I don't give a shit, yeah. but then a bunch of people that are really sad. And like a bunch of my friends were just like, dude, I've known you for too many years for this. What, what are you doing? And then like, I had hiatuses that were a couple years apart and shit. And I didn't even have discord or whatever, or I just didn't get on. I didn't get on quake. And I'm like, but a lot of people stuck through with me for that. And they've been good to me, man. I, I told you earlier, like a lot of people in the community are really awesome people. Like, yeah, they've been great to me, dude. Like, a, even when I was a piece of shit to them. <laughs> so that's, that was really cool. I mean, I, I grew up in the Southeast too. And it was kind of like, I was probably the only for the, for a long time, the only like openly not a Christian in, in their traditional sense of the word in any, in any way. And, and I would just say straight up, like, I don't believe in this. And then people would be very angry with me for like, you know, for no other reason other than just like, I just simply don't subscribe to the faith that you all claim to subscribe to or whatever. 
Right. And that, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of like, I guess it was a part of the shaping of my brain in general, because I always felt like an outsider for that reason. I mean, I, our, our schools, as far as I knew, really everyone was, you know, either Catholic or Southern Baptist. And then I think there was one Jewish girl and that was it. Like, otherwise th- there was no other option available. And, and it's funny that you, you say like it, people are accepting because I've, I've seen the other side now where it's like, you know, you go to like a college or whatever. And it's like almost like if you identify as a, uh, any religion at all, but especially like Christians, kind of the one that everybody's got their gun pointed at right now. Like, Oh, there, this is a problematic thing or whatever. Like you, or you, you have to be stupid to believe that there's a, a something greater than ourselves out there. And right. I don't really, you know, I'm not imparting an opinion on anything, but it is to me kind of sad that people can't just like be who they is and not have. This right. Earlier when you said, Earlier when you said, were, were they accepting of me? Did you mean in terms of like me, like recovering from heroin? Did you mean Christianity at the time? I thought you were talking about. Well, you, you said you were talking about it online. So I thought you meant like you were saying like, yes, God saved me. or. Oh, or dude, like I talked and, about, dude, I, I talk about that when people ask me about it. But I was talking about more like me just like exposing okay. my, like just my fucking sins of the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just talking about, yeah, I'm a fucking dope addict now. Like yeah, shit yeah. like that. That's what I was talking about. My bad. I, I should have clarified. No, so but, I um, asked a better question. All good, man. All good. But, but um, in terms of like people accepting my Christianity, that's a different question. So, dude, some people are just like, yeah, dude, don't give a shit. Like, you're cool with me. That's awesome. And then other people, like, they'll just laugh in my face. In fact, I would say most of the people that even accept it, they laughed in my face at first anyway. But I just, you take it with a smile and you're like, hey, man, I'm telling you the truth. It is what it is. And then just go on from there. That's yeah. about it. I don't know. You go, you go through different things and phases in life, and I feel like people kind of change their beliefs periodically anyway. So, like, I know a lot of people who grew up, like I said, just, like, devout into their, you know, because it was part of their family structure or whatever. And then, like, you know, they hit the, what, what, what would George Carlin, Carlin call it? The age of reason kind of thing where they start you know deconstructing all of it you know and just like what you said your experience was so that you've been taught your whole life that drugs are drugs are bad okay and then as soon as that first lie gets exposed you question the premise of everything right it can like really be a an awakening is when you hear about like schizophrenic people who are like super paranoid like when they realize at some point that the conspiracy that they've been holding on to was not true it's not a. It's not as easy as like, oh well, now everything's okay. It's like their entire um, self identity breaks down, you know, and it's like it causes a huge rift in their life because it's like uh, everything that I've thought to be true up to this point is just gone. Right, and, and dude, I was really sheltered as a kid too. So right. for me, that was a very big deal. Like it, like. I don't blame my parents for this necessarily. Like, I don't want that to come off as this to come off as that, but like, I really wasn't prepared for reality in a way. Like it's, it's interesting because you know, you, the assumption is usually like drug addicts come from bad households, right? Oh dude, I came from an extremely good household. I love my family to death. My parents are amazing and my sisters are amazing. Like everything's great. You know, like I have no, (laughs) 
God has very much blessed me with that. And it's and it kind of puts it in perspective too, because like you think about people that come from really fucked up households and they become drug addicts, but then they get clean and their life is great and they go get married and have kids. And it's like they came from such harder circumstances than I did. And it's like, well, what the fuck was wrong with me? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and honestly, it's a good question. There's there's a lot of answers to it. So <laughs> a lot of it was me being sheltered, I think, though, because I had no idea what was going on. I really so didn't. You were already like into the the, the mapping and the this you know the the online community when this was all kind of going on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So did you like return to it with like a, a renewed sense of purpose? Like, did it make you better as a as a mapper and as a member of the community or did it like, like when I got clean or yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say it did. Like I definitely treated people with a lot more respect, mm-hmm. I, you know, as best as I could. And I, I tried to make some things right with other people. Cause like, I really stress some people out with that. You know, I know I did like I was, dude, I was a mess, <laughs> but I, I tried to make some things right, repair some bridges. And then also um, in terms of my creativity, like, I don't know. I had a, it's weird because like when I was, when I was on drugs for a long time, like I still made maps. Like I made a lot of maps when I was fucked up. And sometimes <laughs> I would specifically get fucked up to make a map. And I've made some really good maps when I was fucked up. But then like the ones that I've made since I've been sober, some of those have been incredible. Like, in yeah. fact, I think I recently made the best one I've ever made. So, like, and I mean, when I say sober, I don't, I mean, like, off of heroin and all that shit. Stop doing all the hard drugs and all that, you know? <laughs> don't get fucking blasted drunk making a map. Though, that is a category of map you can make. But people do that sometimes. It can be a really funny night. <laughs> but, Yeah. That's the thing with a lot of creative people is like generally they have some sort of like trauma or something that kind of is where that creativity comes from. And they're almost afraid that if they, you know, address it, if they like actually deal with it and get better, then they'll lose that creative energy. Right. So, I mean, you hear, I guess a pretty common example is like comedians who, you know, drink on stage and they're like worried like, well, if if I don't drink on stage, I won't be funny anymore. And then it becomes a perpetual Jim Jeffries. Yeah, exactly. Like a perpetual cycle of like, well, I, I do this for a living, so I have to do it. And, and then they get really off the rails is Jim Jeffries is a great example. Like, you know, doing cocaine and <laughs> booze and hookers and all that kind of shit. That guy is absolutely fucking hilarious though. I, I do is. like Jim Jeffries a lot. And I think he's better now that he's like, re- like recovered from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but I'm sure that most of his life he was just terrified. Like I can't, if this is his whole shtick is being a fuck up. Like that was his entire thing. That's what made him funny. As far as you could tell, man. Yeah. And like, it's partly that. And it's also like, I bet for him, like being an actor myself, I I don't know. I kind of suspect this in a way, but when you are in that situation, you're just like, well, I don't have a way out of this anyways. Like I've already I'm down this path. I don't want to deal with the consequences. Like being an addict, dude. I swear, the further you get into it, the per, the percentage, like the scale, t- tilts towards like I just don't want to deal with the consequences. Yeah. That's what it all leans towards, and it's just man, it's it gets absolutely brutal <laughs> towards the end of it. No matter whether or not you survive, 
you know, it, you will come to that point where you have to deal with the consequences and it's fucked. And that's one of the things that I bet, I mean, that's what keep, that's what kept me going in a lot of ways. It wasn't even that I enjoyed getting high anymore, you know? Right. Like, I, Cause I still did, but it was like, at this point, I just don't want to deal with the consequences. So everyone hits the wall, man. Everyone hits the wall. As a good buddy of mine, Sam once said, a downhill longboarder, you know, real adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Told me, buddy, nobody rides forever. <laughs> it's true. That's why like, the, these wingsuit guys, you know, that jump off mountains and shit. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? I would literally rather you be like doing hard drugs. <laughs> At least we can throw you in a rehab facility, but you can't just like stop someone who's willing to jump off a mountain for an adrenaline rush. I'm not judging them. Like whatever the fuck works for them. You know? Hey man, <laughs> fuck it though, bro. It's your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nuts man i i, I don't know I, i'd never been to that extreme i was definitely like a you know stunt monkey when i was a kid like skateboarding and all that kind of stupid shit that we would do it's jackass uh if people think that uh kids are not influenced by what they see on television boy are they wrong <laughs> I, in, in fact uh when i was a, I mean i was pretty young but my aunt uh was we were watching sumo wrestling on tv and then within like 10 minutes, me and my brother are like, you know, in our underwear, rolled up our ass cracks and we've set pillows up around and we're like sumo wrestling in the floor. And, <laughs> she, took a picture of us and, and I think you, she put it in a newspaper in Tennessee somewhere, like an article about like, if you don't believe that kids reenact what they see on TV. You're crazy. Oh, that's awesome. But it, it's so true. Dude, I believe you. That, that's fantastic. Wow. Jackass <laughs> definitely did that to us because we were, you know, this is like when cell phones first started oh, and was on them too. So we were like, every day it was like, we got to make the ultimate clip of us doing something ridiculous. Let's skateboard off the roof and then let's go get on a golf cart and sling ourselves into the cornfield because fuck it. Like, <laughs> Dude, oh, fuck. I would have probably killed myself if I hadn't been too much of a pussy to be a skateboarder. Because I always wanted to skate when I was a kid, but I got hurt once, and like, like I think I broke. Is that what I? No, I didn't. I sprained something. That's all I did. I sprained something, and I think it was my ankle. I was just like, "Fuck this! I can't do this!" Ow, ow, ouch! And then <laughs> just kind of went on. But like, I always loved the idea of it because my cousin was a skateboarder, and uh, dude, he I watched him do kickflips and ollies, just all the basic stuff. And I don't know, he showed me Tony Hawk and. Showed me all this really grungy shit. He was like, he's like the epitome of like an early 2000s grunge kid. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, the absolute epitome. It was, looking back, it's absolutely hilarious. Because if I had pictures of his room, whatever, it would turn into a meme. <laughs> like, it was that level of, and it was awesome. Dude, I look fondly back on that. But yeah, man, we, we, he, we also love jack, jackass. So that was the point. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's that's what kind of like led me down the path of wrestling, I think, too. It was like, you know, I was just searching for this like rush and it wasn't necessarily like the stunts. It was like the crowd or whatever, like just having that ability to, you know, as especially being a bad guy where you can like just piss off, you know, a few hundred people at a bar. You know, you walk out and say like I, I had this one shtick, dude. I mean, this is like South Mississippi 
And my character was like this sort of evangel, like televangelist kind of character, but for science, because I knew that would piss off like the Christian kind of culture there. And so I, I was going out as the uh, illegitimate grandson of Carl Sagan. What? And I would do like these like Billy Graham speeches, but talking about science instead of talking about religion. And one night in Mississippi, it was like, it just happened to be like the anniversary of like Voyager's launch or some shit like that. And I did like a fucking 10 minute monologue about like how, how great it is. And, and then we had this other guy who was a big burly dude. He was like hairy, you know, just the, the perfect kind of character for this. And I was like, and if all you idiots out there don't believe in evolution, let me introduce you to the missing link. And then Zach would come out and it was just fucking hilarious. Like, fuck you. And like, that was so, like, that kind of shit was so much fun. But you're taking a risk because people get fucking angry, like, especially in the Southeast. It's like most people at this point really, they get the deal with pro wrestling. It's like, okay, it's entertainment. You know, this isn't real. Right. Back in the, back in the eighties, dude, like motherfuckers would kill you. If you were a bad guy in, in wrestling and they really, and you were good at it, you had to be like, escorted through you know security into a armored car or some shit and driven away because in puerto rico they would stab you that happened many damn times, you know really they'd bash you the head with beer bottles like yeah it was a dirty dirty oh business. dude that's just people believed it people really believed it you know people Man, wanted I, to kill the iron sheik i know point. that people believed it because i'll never forget my dad telling me this his mother my granny she uh Dude, she was a massive, massive, massive fan of Ric Flair. Oh God! How can and that, in thinking of my granny watching fucking Ric Flair, <laughs> never ceases to make me laugh. Because like my dad would tell me that she'd like yell at the TV, and she'd be like, "Yeah, get him! Whoa, nature boy! <laughs> like just <laughs> woo! Yeah, dude." <laughs> We'll, we'll never recapture that magic. Never, dude. Uh, Ric yeah. Flair is a legend. <laughs> just, but yeah, like that. I, I was just so addicted to that that it got to a point where you know I'm like fucking hit me in the head with a steel chair, and then I ended up in the hospital <laughs> for it. And, you know that kind of shit. Oh shit! You know you get you, you're like you, you always want to up the ante because you always want to make the crowd pop. So like you know you end up doing these like really really dangerous things that you ordinarily wouldn't think are safe at all. But it's like but they're gonna react to it. So you know. I mean, there are real guys out there doing that now. Like, I just watched the AEW's All Out event last night, and it was like there's they're doing fucking spinning pile drivers off the top of steel cages and shit. And it's just like, you know, it, live, you live your best life, but you're playing, you're really rolling the dice with death yeah. every single time you do that. It's really insane, dude. Like, just your, you just brought me back to a flashback for some reason <laughs> where like. Me and a few friends is like you're like fourteen or something, and yeah. we <laughs> we saw Jackass, and and we were like, dude, let's fucking let's fuck around with these shopping carts. Yeah, it's so uh, we did like the same sketch where like they've shoved the shopping cart into the curb and you land in the bushes. Like you don't really know how much that can stab you until you land in the bushes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thankfully it was winter. So we were all wearing heavy jackets and shit, but we all had our clothes torn. Like, by the end of, and my mom was like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun. 
Well, like in the same breath, though, like my dad also encouraged me to do stupid shit sometimes. And the only reason I say that is because it was Hurricane, Hurricane, I can't remember which hurricane it was, but I all I know is that I was like 10 years old or something. And we had like this inflatable boat, like a raft, and it had a paddle. And in the hurricane, well, it rained so much and it flooded our entire neighborhood for like two miles or some yeah. shit. And so we, I would, I wanted to go swim. And my dad was like, well, buddy, why don't you just take the raft? Take, your, <laughs> take you and your sisters and just go, go for, yeah, go for it. And I don't know why my dad thought this was a good idea. Cause when I look back on this, there's fucking water moccasins out there. Yeah. There's like, you can get polio from that water, dude. Like you can just get fucking die. like anthills, like all the ants, they bundle up and whatever. What's insane is that we were completely fine the entire time. Like, we got in the boat, and I just, me and my sister were having a great old time. We were singing songs, and I was, like, paddling us. Dude, I paddled at least half a mile. <laughs> like, I, we were just going through, you know, like, the ditches in between houses in the suburbs? Mm-hmm. You know, I was paddling through those, and then I was just going through, like, the middle of some cul-de-sacs, and we'd, like, spin in circles in the boat. Like... <laughs> It's hilarious that we did not get hurt because I remember at one point um, there was a crawfish that made its way into the boat and my sisters were terrified of the crawfish. They did not want to deal with the crawfish. So I just grabbed the thing and chucked it out and there's they started crying They're like, take us home. We need to go home. And I'm like, all right, all right, we'll go home. And then we made it home completely fine. <laughs> like, and my mother, I remember she was freaking out at first. And then my dad was like, no, nah, they're going to be fine. No, that's cool. And then when we showed up completely unscathed, he was just like, see, I told you. <laughs> I have a video somewhere of me and my like friends when we were teenagers, like backyard wrestling, like trampoline trailer park shit. And nice. And it's like we we had fucking, you know, trash cans and kendo sticks and like we're throwing each other on on the hoods of our cars and doing really at one point. There's one where like we like I hit my buddy in the head with a shovel like broke a guitar hero controller over his back. Oh, fuck. You know, like anything we could find, like just any junk we had around, we were using it as a weapon or whatever. Absolute rebels. I showed this video to somebody and they're like, did your parents like not pay attention to what you're doing? I'm like, Oh, his dad was filming it. (laughs) (laughs) He thought it was awesome. (laughs) That's fucking great. A plus to him, sir. That's great. (laughs) It is, it is, so. Uh, I don't know, I feel like kids these days are, back in my day, you know, that kind of shit, like, they're fucking soft. Like he, I, all my friends, like, children, they just, like, play on their iPads all day and crap. I'm like, go outside and fucking, you know, get some mud on your face. <laughs> like, scrape your knees up. <laughs> Man. Mm. I, I wish that I was more like that as a kid. Like, I had a few of those experiences, but I was always that video game nerd. I was always that kid. I mean, we played video games and shit. It was definitely part of our lives, but like uh, we just generally spent a lot of time uh, doing crazy shit outside. Like that was. I did at times. Like sometimes I did. I mean, I did play a couple sports. Like I did play baseball as a kid. Um, excuse me. I also played golf still, uh, but I played golf as a kid. I remember getting a. I actually still have them. I got two trophies like, for like nine holes, boys. Oh, you, you like actually play golf. I mean, it was some local shit over yeah. like in the town I lived in, but I never played any anywhere near semi-professionally or anything like that. I 
dude, I'm shit at golf nowadays anyway. <laughs> I, I love golf because, you know, I golf. But I can play a par three course. I know how to play a par three course. That's what oh. I got the trophies on. It wasn't even a real course. Golf to me is like, you know, a 24-pack PBR and a, a day out in the sun. <laughs> Are you going to come visit or what? Like, can we please just go play golf or something? Like, I mean, let's go play golf. Let's have a land party with Quake. Like, let's you, do some War Fork. Dude, literally, the, the table has already been set here. You you can play golf, and I'll uh, I'll drive a golf cart. Like, I'll, I'll, swing, I'll swing the club, and I'll hit the ball occasionally. But that's uh, – I'm not a – I don't play golf. Like, I, I, my friends drag me out to the – Well, hey, that's perfect. That works for me. Just have fun with it. Yeah, man. See, like, what kind of crazy shots you can do. Like, <laughs> bounce it off a tree, you know, try to get it on the green. Yeah. Or like you want to just get a chip in no matter what, so I keep throwing the ball back. Shit like that. Dude, you can do an infinite number of things on the golf course to have fun. Like, a lot of people think it's some serious shit where, like, oh, man, we have to play for the score. And blah. Well, yeah, if you want to play golf, golf. But, like, you can just fuck around. It's totally fun. It's great. Uh, I remember when we showed up and we're at the, like, the pro shop or whatever, and there's this old Scottish guy, and we bought, like, a fuck load of balls, right? And he's just like, You're planning to lose a lot of balls. And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you don't oh, really yeah. know it's about it. I hope you're in front of us and not behind us. Like because we're about to get wasted, bro. That was like, you know, that that was the whole fun of it. It was it was never about to I I could give a fuck less if I could ever hit a hole in one. That's not I'm a, completely down for this. I'm ready. But like, you've enticed me. It's so what's happen. What's uh, what's next for you? What's your, what, what are you going to be doing in a couple of years? In the next couple of years, like yeah. life-wise, quake-wise, all of it. Yeah, it's you. All of it. Well, right now I do cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. I plan to continue that. Um, so as far as like my life, that's about as far as that's going to go. Um, quake-wise, though, I have had a couple plans. Like I recently started playing again because I. So, full disclosure, I got blown the fuck out in Cruelty Squad by a guy that is way more talented and he has way more time than I do. Mm-hmm. So, I've just kind of given him the crown at this point. Like, Eric, if you're listening to this, props to you, sir. You have earned every single run, and I am proud. Um, but I'm still going to make some Cruelty Squad speedrunning tutorials because that's something the community kind of needs right now. Um, I made one episode already, and people seem to really like that because of how concise it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that. But in Quake, um, I'm going to do... I've been doing some runs lately. I'd like to, There's a couple of records I want to take because I feel like I'm up to the challenge. Um, one of them I just got recently, and that was really nice. I'll have that uploaded at some point. But um, I don't know. You know the... Um, I, don't, I know you don't know a whole lot about Defrag, but are you familiar with the name Benz as a mapper? No. Basically, this guy's a legend, and he's made in defrag anyway for mapping, and he's made these things called North Run, South Run, and East Run. And I currently have East Run. South Run is a completely different style. It's more of a flow style map, and I don't think I'd ever get the record for that. But for North Run, that's something that I'd really like to try and do. Um, I thought about... There's also a map I've been considering making. Um... I want to make another, how do I say this? Like a staged trick map. 
you know, yeah. and it's got very difficult things on the in-between. I just want to make something to challenge people because that's something I feel like in defrag is not done enough. Like I'm, I'm fine with people that want to do CPM strafe maps, right? They just want to, you know, go fast and they want to beat people by frames and they can be short maps and whatever. That's fine. I like to specialize in VQ3 maps, vanilla, VQ3 meaning vanilla Quake 3 physics, right? So like the standard thing. And then I like to focus on weapons. So that's something I really want to push more in the community because I feel like that's, it, there's, it's not that it's untapped, but like there's still so much more potential for it. And I feel like there are people that really want a more, more of a challenge as well, other yeah. than me. So that's, that, that's kind of what's on my plate at the moment. Do you like ever like feel like you're up in the ante because you've designed a map that like because you designed it you know how to do it and then it's just not fun for you or No, I don't I don't really feel like that. So my philosophy ever since I started mapping was I'm making this for myself. Right. Because there was in my eyes there was a lacking of uh, content or like I didn't know where the good content was, you know? Because there's always been maps for like that were made over a decade ago that were just fucking incredible, you know? And I, I just didn't know where they were. I didn't know how to find them. But so I was like, okay, I'm a mapper. I've been doing this for a long time. I'll just, since I've been learning a bit of defrag and I know how to like space things out, I'll just start trying to figure out how to map this. And so I made what I wanted to play and I wanted to enjoy it. And I made it only for me. And dude, I got fucking, I got a lot of shit for it at first, which was really funny. Like people were saying, and they, some people had legitimate claims, right? Like, dude, this spacing is terrible. Like, how the fuck can you make this? I'm like, well, I'm bad at strafing. I just do weapons. And that's still kind of true today. But um, people in there are like, dude, it's too hard. And like, why aren't there enough teleports? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, because I'm, I'm offering a new experience. I, in fact, it, at the time, I thought it was a new experience. But turns out people have been doing that for many, many years. Yeah. I just didn't know yet, you know? So... Eventually, I just got better and better at mapping and made different things. And when I played them, like, dude, I still enjoy playing my maps because it's the gameplay style that I want to see in Defrag. Right. Yeah, I see a lot of, like, game developers. Uh, a good example is, like, the first time that I played, a, like, an early version of Doombringer, you know, I told Chris this. I'm like, this is fucking hard. And he's just like, well, we, you know, we play tested it and all that kind of shit and it turned out, you know, everybody responded well. I'm like, who did you have playtested? And he's like, you know, well, me and Crazy Al. And I'm like, okay, so you had a bunch of fucking professionals playtest. <laughs> what about us average Joes out here? <laughs> like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Here? Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. My maps are not intended. Like, any anyone that knows me will know that I do not make my maps for everybody. Right. That, like, I make it for the community, so to speak, but I make it mostly for me. Right. Because I just I want that extreme challenge. I want to see a mountain overturned. You know, I want to see what the limits are. I want to see like who can be the fastest. And there are people who have answered the call. Like, in fact, there's one guy in particular who I'd like to give a shout out to, Mr. Zass or XAS from China. Nice that ass. dude, huh? I said nice ass. Exactly, man. Like he's like that guy is incredibly skilled. The last map I released, he, I mean, I, I am shocked at what he was able to do. It's incredible. And so people like that will show up and they'll just destroy things. So that's why I know that there's a yearning for that. <laughs> I really want to make more of that kind of stuff. 
that's that's fucking awesome, man. I hope you're successful in all of those things. I appreciate it, man. I, I need the best of luck, you know. <laughs> I'm glad we creative process is hard. Made some time to just like sit down and kick it. I mean, like I said, I missed you being around and all that. I know you're busy with your cruelty squad crap, but now that that's over. Yeah, not anymore, man. Like I'd I'd like to hang around a little bit more. You know, I'm glad you have you've had me, man. Like it, this has been awesome. Uh, it's been a little too long since we've spoken. You're right. Yeah, well, like uh, let's do it again sometime. Like as you come up with new things, or if you ever just like want to kick it for a while, like you know, can always trap me into it. Be like. <laughs> yeah, I, I know how to influence you. Yeah, I know how to influence you. Don't worry, I'll, I'll get your attention, man. Okay. I'm going to be around a bit more now. I think I've got the, uh, I've got the time for you. You know. <laughs> let's uh, let's call it a day on this. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Appreciate it. Man. Have a good night. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kairos as much as I did. He's amazing, and I'm really glad to have gotten to share some time uh, talking with him with all of you wonderful people. If you are new here to In the Heat, welcome. If you're here from Realms Deep or you're here just because this happened to be the one you tuned in for, thank you for joining. And uh, make sure you head over to inthekeep.com and find out all the cool ways that uh, you can be involved in the community and support or whatever the fuck you want to do. The music is from Lovely Planet, which I am currently watching Kairos speedrun. And you can go back and check out our episode from uh, that game as well with Quick Tequila. I don't remember what number it was, but, you know, whatever. It's on the website. You'll find it. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining in. Enjoy the music, and uh, see you next week. We will have Osric of Viscera Fest as our guest. Till next time, I love you. The Drowned God Cathala loves you. Stay in the keep. spacing on this uh what's i'm gonna have to edit this out what's the game mode where you don't take self-damage in his two teams you're talking about clan arena jesus christ ca bro you forgot about ca i didn't forget about it oh my man oh no fizzling right now it's just running (laughs) you gotta drink Uh, that coffee i am chugging it uh (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm gonna definitely find that and edit it out. Twenty five. No, you didn't, no reason for that. No, that'd be great. Should um, definitely leave it in. <laughs>